أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to A String of Pearls A Thematic Flow of the Quran by Ikna Sisters So inshallah we will cover Surah Yusuf and Surah Ra'd today and um, yesterday we went through Surah Yunus and Surah Hud Two surahs that came within the same time period for the purpose of consolation for the Prophet ﷺ and a warning to the Quraysh. And we, when we look through those two surahs, Surah Yunus and Surah Hud, we found that the stories of Prophet Yunus and Prophet Hud ﷺ are mentioned very, very briefly within them. And that too, according to what the context of the surah itself was, right? And so we'll see that throughout the Quran, that Allah mentions details of the lives of different prophets according to the topic of the discussion in the surah. Um, and also what inspiration they can bring to the Prophet at that time. So if we look at the story of Musa, which is the story that's mentioned the most in the Quran, when it was mentioned in Surah Yunus, it had specific details that went with the theme of Surah Yunus. And when it was mentioned in Surah Hud, it had different details accordingly with the theme of Surah Hud. So similarly with the, the, the story of Prophet Yunus, his reference is mentioned you know, in four different places in the Quran. Um, but the majority of the details of his story aren't mentioned in Surah Yunus, the story that's actually named after him. There's only one ayah in Surah Yunus uh, about him. The rest of the details are mentioned in Surah Safat and other surahs. So there's great wisdom in Allah SWT revealing different details of each prophet's story at different times. So when we come to Surah Yusuf today, this is the only surah that's named after a prophet with just his own story and in complete chronological order. Yani, it's in coherence from start to finish. It is the only, it's only the story of the life of Yusuf alayhi salam. Um, and apart from that, the surah doesn't really go into any other major topic within it. So Surah Yusuf is very unique in its message and its style. It's a, it's a life story of a man living his struggle through the trials of life. And because of his righteous character, he goes through the, this difficult path of following the truth and maintaining his faith throughout the struggle, right? But we learn from his story that this path is not an easy one. And it requires a lot of patience and endurance and, and trust in Allah's plan. Right, And we learn about the important characteristics that need to be cultivated within us to be able to succeed in this life and, and to have a good ending in the hereafter, inshallah. Um, and then we, if we look at the overview of Surah Ra'd, you know, which is a surah that is so eloquent and comprehensive and it has rhyming ayat, it's beautiful, right? And it focuses on the Makki concepts of Tawheed, Risala, and Akhra again. But this time, the way that Allah calls to Tawheed is it's done through the lens of proofs provided in nature itself. So through witnessing the creation of Allah um, and as well as that, you know, there's rational arguments too. And it's appealing to people's logic and common sense. Um, and what's interesting in the common theme between these two surahs is that Allah highlights the character of a believer compared to the character of a disbeliever. So one who follows the truth and the other who's bent upon falsehood, right? And throughout the surah, it's made clear that the believer operates with wisdom and strength coming from believing in Allah. And the other operates from just their whims and desires and literally illogical reasoning. 
Um, and so we'll see stark differences in the way that these two personalities conduct themselves and how they're described in, in both of the surahs. And if you study Surah Rad, it even goes through a list of different characteristics of the people who are on the truth and a list of the ones who are on falsehood. Um, and there are many, many lessons that we can learn of character building, you know, from these two surahs. And so when we look at Surah Yusuf, Surah Yusuf was revealed towards the end of Mecca in the year that is referred to as a year of sorrow for the Prophet The Prophet over a short period of about two months had gone through some of the most painful days of his life. You know, first it was the devastating loss of Khadija anha, who was his emotional and personal support system at home. And then shortly after that, the Prophet ﷺ lost his major support in the community with the death of Abu Talib, his uncle. And of course, you know, the persecution and oppression in Mecca had increased even more after that, which is why, you know, the Prophet ﷺ went to Taif, another city, to see if there's anyone that will accept this call to truth, you know, somewhere else. And there, you know, we learn from the hadith of Aisha that the Prophet ﷺ experienced what he called himself the worst day of his life, so, you know, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it was at this time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah to the Prophet sallallahu as a way of consolation that him being abandoned and mistreated by his own people and their hatred towards him is the same situation that has happened before to Prophet Yusuf right? His own brothers didn't even recognize the value of Yusuf And so look at the trials that he went through, you know, with patience and trust in, in Allah. And look at where he found himself at the end of it, right? Honored in this world and the next, subhanAllah. Um, and so with this surah, there's also glad tidings given to the Prophet ﷺ that the end game is his, right? You know, the end game is for the, the, for the, for the truth. Oh, and it was a warning to the Quraysh too that victory will come to the Prophet ﷺ just as it did for Yusuf ﷺ. But... There is wisdom in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting us through these difficult trials before that happens. So Surah Yusuf is said to have been that light for the Prophet that helped him through this depressing time of, of pain and anguish, right? And the scholars mention to recite the surah for ourselves too. When If we're going through any difficulty, any personal issues, that we should turn to this surah to find comfort and solace, you know, just like the Prophet did. Um, Another incident that is associated with the revelation of Surah Yusuf is, you know, the Quraysh wanted to stump the Prophet ﷺ by asking him something only a Prophet would know. You know, they wanted to basically outwit him where they can prove to everyone that he's not what he claims to be, ﷺ. So the Jews told them, to. they went to the Jews in Medina and they asked them, what should we ask the Prophet, right? And so the Jews told him to ask uh, the Prophet ﷺ about the story of Yusuf and his brothers because no one in Mecca knows about that. Only This is something only the Jews know. And so it was in response to this question that Allah revealed Surah Yusuf. And specifically Allah says that we tell you this this uh, this knowledge of the unseen. You did not know this story before. So this became a testament to the truth that the Prophet ﷺ was indeed a prophet and that the Prophet ﷺ only speaks of the knowledge that comes to him through revelation. Um, and so this is an incredible, incredible story that Allah ﷻ, you know, he refers to that story himself by saying it's Ahsanul Qasas. It's the best of stories. Um, and the more time we spend with this surah, the more profound lessons it has to reveal to us. You know, um, 
But for the purpose of this summary, the gist of the story is that Yusuf as a boy, sees a dream. And he tells his father, Yaqub about it. And his father immediately tells him not to tell this dream to his brothers because he realized that Yusuf was special. And the brothers would get jealous of him, right? And Yaqub was right. The brothers did feel envious of Yusuf and so they eventually plotted to kill him and they took him out to play with them uh, one day despite Yaqub being hesitant in sending him with them. Um, and then, so they took him out and uh, instead of killing him, they threw him down a well. And then they came crying back to their father telling them how Yusuf was eaten by a wolf. And Yaqub was so deeply saddened by this news that you know, that this happened, but he knew in his heart that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planners and only he knows, right? Um, and you'll notice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses his names Ghalib and Latif in this surah, referring to himself as the overseer of everything and the one who is subtle in his ways. Latif means someone who does things, but they're hardly noticeable. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's subtlety coupled with his names Alim and Hakim, the knowledgeable and the wise, Basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that He knows what He's doing, right? The workings of Allah's plans are not apparent to us, but there's wisdom and knowledge that carries those plans through. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the overseer of everything, right? He knows what He's doing. So we must have trust in Allah, just like Yaqub did. Even when we see that things are, you know, seemingly going from bad to worse, you know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always has a plan. And so the story continues that a caravan passing by stopped for water and they threw a bucket into the well and they found Yusuf in it. And so they took him as a slave back to Egypt and they sold him for a few dirhams. Yani they didn't even recognize the value of Yusuf They sold him for a fraction of a dinar, subhanAllah. So Yusuf is now with the chief of Egypt, Al-Aziz, who had bought him and he's now growing up with them in a palace. So now we can already see the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it's always greater uh, than we understand it to be. So, and we also know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed Yusuf with incredible beauty and, and grace as he grew. So um, one day, the wife of Al-Aziz, who was his master, she tries to seduce him and, he, and she locks herself up in a room with him. And immediately the reaction we see from Yusuf is that he calls onto Allah for help. He's asking Allah to protect him from committing a sin. And the wife of Al-Aziz, if we look at her, she's basically just following her lowly desires, right? Without any regard for Yusuf or her husband or her creator. So we see the difference between their pure character and the, the impure character, right? And so when Yusuf refused to compromise his values and his faith and his modesty, the wife of Al-Aziz threatens to throw him into prison. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes Yusuf saying that, Oh my Rabb, prison is more to my liking than to which they invite me. Unless you save me from their evil plan, I may get tempted and become of the ignorant. SubhanAllah. His iman was far more beloved to him than his freedom. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wails that he goes into prison. Now in prison, there are two inmates with him and Yusuf establishes a good rapport with them and you know, with his truthfulness and his kind character. And not only that, whenever he finds a good time and place for it, he always makes da'wah to them too. And he tells them about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the hereafter. And so 
you know, they both get to know him and they know that he's able to interpret dreams. And so both of them have a dream and they ask Yusuf Islam to interpret it for them. And Yusuf Islam, before he did that for them, he asked the one guy who was about to be released from prison that when he gets out to remind the king about him, remind the king about Yusuf Islam still being in prison. And so the guy when he gets out, actually forgets to tell the king for a few years until the king himself has a dream that needs to be interpreted. And that's when the guy remembers like, oh yeah, that, you know, there, Yusuf is in prison. And so he goes to Yusuf and he tells him the king wants you to be brought out from prison because he needs to ask you about this dream. And so Yusuf says, first ask him to make things clear about the false accusations from his wife, right? It was important for him to have his innocence proven and his name cleared and so this whole thing prompted the wife of al-aziz to eventually confess to her crime and prove his innocence yusuf al-islam's innocence and so this whole ordeal basically increases yusuf al-islam's value in the eyes of the king too and so the king ends up trusting him and they become closer and he makes him a part of his cabinet and then the dream that Yusuf interpreted for the king was about a severe drought that was about to hit Egypt. And so when this this time came, when the, the drought was coming, the king appointed Yusuf to take care of the distribution of food to the people in order to survive that drought. And so this drought ended up being so severe that it had spread even outside of Egypt. And that is why the brothers of Yusuf also came into Egypt to, you know, they were hoping for food, thinking that this is some random kind ruler that's distributing wheat to everybody, right? They didn't know that it was their own brother. So eventually Yusuf reveals his identity to them and then he also forgives them all. And then he tells them to bring their father and the whole family back into the palace. And then their father, Yaqub who had been practicing the best of patience, right? Sabron Jamil, he gets reunited with his beloved son. And then the dream of Yusuf that he had as a young boy, that comes true when the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, you know, he saw was prostrating to him. It was all of his family, the mother and the father and his 11 brothers, basically, right? So his dream gets fulfilled. So subhanAllah, it's a... You know, it's it's such a captivating story. And the way that the events unfold, it's none other than the, the workings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, because the whole story is a mirror image of itself. Each event happened for the benefit of everybody, right? Yusuf was sold into slavery. But notice how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevated him to a dignified, honorable position, Right? And Allah knows, had it not been for the way that it happened, the drought would have come and the king wouldn't have known what to do. And the family of Yusuf wouldn't have come to Egypt. So subhanAllah, Allah SWT always knows and Allah SWT is the best of planners. Um, but of the major lessons of the story that we learn is the struggle of one man who went through trials and tribulations with his own family you know, being sold as a slave so publicly, his personal modesty was violated. There's false accus uh, accusations, you know, that were spread throughout the city about him. You know, all of these painful events that happened, but he dealt with all of that with patience. And not just him, his father too, Yaqub salam, right? Um, they never lost hope in Allah. And so long as they were following the path of truth, they trusted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make things right in the end. 
And so we need to study and reflect on how we can also develop these positive characteristics in ourselves too, right? Because Allah SWT makes it known that someone who has a true Islamic personality can overcome any obstacle with the strength of their character, right? And they can come out successful even under extremely grim circumstances, you know, with the help of Allah SWT. Um, so, um, you know, throughout the surah, we're also told to reflect on the different character traits of people in the story too. So compare the character of Yusuf and Yaqub to the character of the brothers in the beginning and the character of the, of the wife of Al-Aziz. What lessons can we learn from each of their contribution to the story? So firstly, Yaqub told Yusuf not to tell his brothers about the dream, right? Meaning that we should be very careful not to overshare our blessings with everybody. You know, in this age of social media, I feel like that's an important lesson for us to take. Because we have to realize not everyone has well-meaning intentions. And even those who do, they can become jealous of our blessings and of our success, right? And these feelings can cause strife even between family members. So we should be very careful, right? And especially when something like this can be totally avoided by, you know, obviously not tweeting every single little detail of our lives to the world. Because... You know, shaitan can make, if, if shaitan can make the children of a prophet treat their younger brother this way, then imagine the kind of havoc he can wreak, you know, on normal people. And the easiest way that he does that is to sow the seeds of jealousy in people's hearts. Um, and so we learned that from the surah that, you know, the limit of decency can be broken when jealousy becomes a, a, a factor, right? For even the best of us. So, that's an important lesson for us to learn. Another important lesson is turning to Allah when facing a difficulty. Yusuf didn't rely on his own willpower to save himself from the temptation when the wife of Al-Aziz went after him. He immediately called on to Allah to protect him, you know, and he was confessing that he may be too weak to, and he may fall into sin if the protection of Allah doesn't come. So anytime we're struggling with a sin, or a bad habit that we want to get rid of, we need to seek Allah's help and protection, right? And if we're not sincerely doing that, then we need to question ourselves. You know, are we really actually wanting to reform and mend our ways? Because, you know, this step, asking Allah for help in protecting us from our habitual sins, is critical in achieving good character. Yani dua and seeking Allah's help is the first step in overcoming our weaknesses and our shortcomings. Um, and especially for young people, you know, the temptations out there are so many. Um, and so we need to equip ourselves properly, right? And a part of that is allowing ourselves to realize that, yes, it is very helpful to have a strong moral compass, but it's not enough unless we're seeking Allah's protection with it too, right? Um, and also when it comes to protecting oneself, giving up some of our liberty and choice and freedom is better than having it all and being vulnerable to falling into sin, right? When Yusuf was placed in that compromising position, he didn't, you know, Yusuf doesn't just do what, you know, what the wife of Al-Aziz says, if he doesn't do what I'm asking him to do, then I'm going to throw him into jail. And Yusuf said, I prefer jail over disobedience to Allah, right? 
and sometimes, you know, as young adults, we often question how much our parents limit us, you know, on what we can do and who we can interact with and where we can go and what time we have to be home. I remember having many of these restrictions growing up myself and more than my friends did sometimes. And it was always like, why can't I do this? And why does everybody else get to do whatever they want, right? Yet in retrospect, I realized how much of that was a blessing from Allah, right? It was a system of protection for me. Um, and I probably wouldn't have it any other way with my own kids, subhanAllah. Um, another lesson that we can learn from is is from Yaqub, who was so distressed at the news of losing Yusuf, that he cried himself blind, right? And then he spoke about that beautiful patience. But even having that patience, he says that I complain of my distress and grief only to Allah alone. And I know from Allah what you do not know. And then he tells his sons to go find Yusuf and never give up hope of Allah's mercy. Yani after almost 50 years, Yaqub is still hopeful that Allah will bring his son back. He's blind from crying, but he's still hopeful, right? He had trust in Allah that even if things look bad, there's wisdom behind it all. And eventually Allah will bring about goodness from it. Right. Um, and he's also saying that he, he's complaining to Allah alone and not to any people. He's bringing his distress to Allah, you know, much like the Prophet ﷺ did when he went to Taif, right, in his famous dua. So this in itself is a sign of Iman. Not that you're saying, Ya Allah, why me? And why do bad things always happen to me? No, you're acknowledging that, Ya Allah, you know what I'm going through. You know what's, what I'm struggling with, right? Just please help me because you're the only one that can, right? And this is obviously the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and the traits that Allah SWT loves um, the most. Um, and then we see how Yusuf ﷺ forgives his brothers and welcomes his family and honors his parents, right? An essential character trait of a believer is that they don't hold grudges, that they keep their hearts pure of malice and hatred. Instead of, you know, seeking vengeance, they forgive and they they hope for that mercy and forgiveness from Allah SWT for themselves in the hereafter. Um, and especially in this month of Ramadan, we need to make sure that our, our hearts are clear of any kind of grudges or ill feelings for anyone, inshallah. And and we see in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ that, you know, how the Prophet ﷺ, when he conquered Mecca eventually, he ended up for, forgiving everyone too, right? And he, sallallahu he used the same words saying that I say to you what Yusuf said to his brother, no harm shall come to you today. And that's how he forgave everybody, right? So this is a story is like a beautiful reflection of the life of the Prophet ﷺ too, right? And it highlights the struggle of, of the prophets and, and the forgiveness um, at the end of it. Um, and then we, we can learn great lessons in how a character that is beautified through the connection with Allah will always be successful in the end. Um, and we see that the, the brothers of Yusuf also turn around and accept Yusuf as a prophet, right? So in the eyes of Allah, it is the ending that counts. The state that we die in will dictate our place in the hereafter, not the state that we begin with. So it's never too late to change. And it's never too late to turn over a new leaf and, and make an effort towards becoming more God conscious, right? We have to realize that it is only Allah that guides and protects and blesses us, right? So we make the effort um, starting from wherever we are and Allah guides us through that. Um, and so with those lessons, we transition beautifully into Surah Ra'd. Um, and which we said is a beautiful surah, it has rhyming, uh, you know, short ayat. Um, and so 
we see that there's important reminders in, in this surah for all of us too, on the importance of finding Allah in everything and strengthening that relationship with Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this surah focuses on the call to the oneness of Allah, like we said, is specifically through the natural signs of Allah. And becoming aware of Allah through witnessing the miracles in nature in itself. So Allah talks about trees and fruits and vegetables as signs. And then he says that the rain and lightning and thunder, all of these things declare his glory and his praises. So when we see these natural phenomenons happenings, happening, the rain and the thunder, it's in fact these creations are declaring the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so basically, the idea is that even human beings, if human beings fail to recognize the truth, everything around us is still glorifying Allah, right? In ayah number 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, To Allah prostrates whatever is within the heavens and the earth, willingly or by compulsion, and their shadows in the mornings and afternoon. Um, yani, everything by virtue of the laws of nature is glorifying Allah, whether they want to or not. And the one who doesn't see that must not be wise enough to understand that this is the truth, right? Um, and this connects beautifully to Surah Yusuf too because Allah mentions the reward and glory that comes in dunya for the believers who persevere, like the Prophet Yusuf, right? In Surah Ra'ad, Allah mentions the reward of the hereafter too for those believers who persevere. In ayah number 24, the angels will be saying salam to, to them for, for what they went through in this dunya with patience and endurance. And how beautiful is the final abode. SubhanAllah. May Allah subhanahu wa make us all from among them. Ameen. Um, and then in Surah Ra'ad, we see that, the, that it ends by reiterating the first verse of the surah, saying that Allah subhanahu wa is sufficient as a witness between me and you, and so are those who have the knowledge of the book. Meaning Allah already acknowledges the prophethood and everything that exists in this world confirms that truth, whether we believe in it or not. So Surah Ra'ad basically appeals to the people who disbelieve to open up their minds and hearts and realize the truth. It's so obvious in the signs of Allah, right? And the only people who can't see that are those that are not using their common sense and they have a disease in their heart. Yet someone who has pure character can allow themselves to see the truth and they, and they want to change themselves from the better, right? Um, there, another important ayah in the surah is that Allah will not change the state of a people unless they want to change themselves. So the effort is on us and the result is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the Quran again, right? And we've seen this come up from Surah Yunus and Surah Hud and in Surah Yusuf and now in Surah Ra'ad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps referring back to the Quran itself, saying how it's a book that is wise and it's clear and it's a reminder. Uh, and in Surah Ra'ad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in ayah number 28 that verily in the remembrance of Allah do, find, uh, do hearts find rest. SubhanAllah, right? Allah subhanahu wa keeps mentioning how this Quran is an incredible source of mercy and consolation, not just for the Prophet but for all of us too, right? And we saw in Surah Yunus how the theme of the surah was advice, you know? But the underlying message was that the people who asked for forgiveness were saved, right? Like the nation of Yunus And then in Surah Hud, that advice turned into warning. But even towards the end of Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after giving his stern warning, 
uh, from the stories of the prophets, Allah SWT still reminds the reader that if you're listening to the words of this surah, that means you still have a chance. And you can change your outcome and not be like those who were destroyed, right? And then in Surah Yusuf, we look at the examples of, example of the brothers of Yusuf. Look at where they started off in the surah and look at where they ended up being at the end. You know, they were forgiven and they were obedient. And then finally, in Surah Rad, Allah SWT reminds everyone that He will not change the condition of a people unless they change themselves. And once they do decide to confirm that truth, that the reward of that truth and, and, and believing in Tawheed is of paradise and the angels saying salam to them and forgiveness and eternal happiness. So the overwhelming message of the Quran is always hope and optimism, and, and consolation, and contentment. No matter what has happened in our life, if we turn to Allah and we seek His forgiveness, that there is no one more forgiving than Allah SWT. And remember when we said, you know, we have those highs and lows in the Quran? It's so that we can keep our balance between hope and fear, right? We shouldn't get so hopeful that we start to become negligent. And we shouldn't fear the punishment of Allah so much that we fall into despair. So the character of a believer is one that balances these things, right? And we find that we are most content when we are able to maintain that balance. It's in our human fitrah. Our hearts find contentment in submission to Allah with that balance of hope and fear, right? And so in the next surahs, in Surah Ibrahim and onwards, we will focus on the theme of gratitude for the fact that the belief in the oneness of Allah is part of our human fitrah. And that's what brings contentment and benefits in our in our personal lives uh, for this dunya and the hereafter, inshallah. May Allah SWT grant us all a true Islamic character and bring contentment in our lives through the guidance of this Quran, inshallah. Ameen. Until tomorrow, inshallah. Wa akhru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.